Hello and welcome to the story. You are with Julie and this is a podcast where I narrate my books that are part of a fantasy trilogy. This is season three and the final story of a drama and suspense packed series. The book brings to life characters that are easy to identify and fall in love with. It is a story immersed in a plot that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Each episode is a chapter from my book and I encourage you to join our Facebook group, The Story, where we discuss the book and enable support for writers and lovers of great stories. You can also find me on Instagram, where you can DM me at Jules underscore rights, J-U-L-S underscore rights. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts and join us on a journey of storytelling. Hello and big welcome back to the podcast. How are you all today? I have been busy writing and researching my latest book, which I've told you about in a previous podcast, my historical fiction novel. And also I've been writing and researching for the new season of the podcast, which will be starting in the next few weeks. Today, before we listen to chapter 18 of the book, we're going to have a chat about the strange disappearance of James Edward Tedford when his family reported him missing on December the 1st, 1949. His disappearance still remains a mystery to this day. James Tedford was married to his wife, Pearl, and they lived together in Fletchertown, Franklin, Vermont. James decided to return to Vermont after his second spell in military service during the Second World War. Now, when he returns home, he finds his wife missing and the house abandoned. James's family had no clue about, his, about her whereabouts, and she was last seen walking to an Amoco store in Franklin. James, both heartbroken and lonely, decides to move to a military home in Bennington in 1947. And two years after this, he mysteriously vanishes. Following his disappearance, investigators learn that James boarded a bus in St Albans a few days earlier and failed to arrive at his destination. He'd been visiting family and was on the return trip home. The journey was about an eight-hour bus ride and at the time there was heavy snowfall in the area causing the bus driver to take a detour through the route that passed that passes through Green Mountain National Forest, which at the time was renowned for strange disappearances and events. James was on the bus with 14 other passengers, and all of them saw him asleep on his seat before he vanished. Now, the passengers, including the bus driver, saw James board the bus at the last stop before his disappearance, and somehow he disappeared between that last stop and them arriving at their destination. Nobody saw him get up and leave the bus. His luggage was still on the luggage rack and the local bus timetable was laying open on his seat, but James was no longer there. Now, James was one of the five mysterious cases of missing people in the Benetime area of the 1940s and 50s. One of the other cases included 74-year-old Middy Rivers, who went missing 
on the 12th of November 1945, when he, an experienced hunter, was taking out a hunting party. Many went up ahead of the group, and when they went to catch up to him, they, could, they only found a single rifle cartridge, which was laying next to a creek. Midi Rivers was never seen again. The third person to go missing in the area was Paula Welding in 1946, who at the time was an 18-year-old sophomore in Bennington College. Now, one afternoon, Paula decided to go on a hike with an elderly couple who were following not that far behind her. Now, she went rounded a corner and the elderly couple, when they rounded the corner, could not see her. And that was the last uh, that anyone saw her. They offered a $5,000 FBI reward, which failed to help locate her. Now, the fourth mysterious disappearance was that of Paul Jefferson in 1950, and he was only eight years old. His mother told him to stay in their truck while she went to go and feed pigs. Paul was left alone for about an hour, and when his mother returned, he was nowhere to be found. A search party was put together, with bloodhounds chasing his scent to a highway near to where Paula Welding had disappeared. Now, the last case uh, happened uh, 16 days after Paul's disappearance, when 53-year-old Frieda Langer went missing. She was hiking with her cousin after they left the family campsite at Somerset Reservoir. Frieda fell in a creek and asked her cousin to wait so she could go back to the campsite and change. Her cousin gave up waiting after she failed to return and soon discovered that she had never made it back to the campsite. Five separate searches took place to try and find Frieda, including over 300 people. In May of 1951, near the Somerset Reservoir where they had camped and where this, uh, they had searched extensively, her body was discovered. Now, no cause of death could be determined due to the conditions of the remains. So it does make you wonder, was there a murderer living in the forest? And how did James disappear when he was travelling on a bus that went through Green Mountains Forest? Let me know your thoughts on these strange disappearances. Okay, let's do a recap on episode 17, Hope. We heard how the village is preparing for war and that the Asaw are making their way to Merrick's, burning everything in their path. Axel and Emsi have failed to return, and Serenity attempts to mind travel to warn them of the approaching Asaw and the fire. The trees advise Ulrich of the birds being messengers, and they will help warn them of the Asaw and help lead Axel and Emsi to safety. Merrick is praying for a miracle, as his mother and daughter have been unable to find the elusive Dardanos. So I hope you're ready for another drama-filled chapter. Get comfy, everyone, and enjoy. Andrew and Ada glided through the eerie tunnels, and they hear faint laughter resonating in the distance. 
they made their way towards it, hoping it was the elusive queen. A shimmering light flickered against the dark tunnel walls. As Ange appeared through the gloom, she could make out the silhouette of a creature. Its hair-like tentacles were piled high on its head, a tower of appendages. As they came closer, she turned in their direction as a sardonic smile spread across her lips. Both women came to an abrupt halt. She knows we are here, Ada whispered. Of course I know you are here, girl with the hair like snow. A wicked laugh filled the passageway, echoing off the walls. It was almost deafening. You have something I want. You must bring her to me. The Queen's laughter ended abruptly, and a sinister look replaced the smile. I will give you five days. Meet me at the closest point where the forest meets the sea. What do we get in return? Anja demanded. Once again, laughter reverberated through the tunnel. Why, Anja, your life. Her laughter penetrated the air, engorging the space where they stood. Anja and Ada covered their ears, the sound ear-piercing. Their actions added to the Queen's merriment, making her laugh even harder. We must go, Anja murmured, before turning and fleeing the scene. Anja lay down on her bed of furs. Exhaustion tugged at her. However, sleep remained a distant friend. The night had been troubling, and her concerns were growing. Dardanos was setting the scene. She had taken control. They had not taken her by surprise, as they had hoped. And it had taken a week to find her. Ada could not infiltrate her memories. It was now, but it was not how Anja had planned for the encounter with Dardanus to go. She carried these worries with her as she closed her eyes. Her mind was restless and she tossed and turned, struggling to find the sleep she needed. Finally, sleep claimed her and she drifted into, into dreams that captured her former life with Eichenbrook. Anja had been happy and almost carefree. Eichenbrook was a good husband, father and leader. She had a partner and friend who shared the same fear, goals and shared the responsibility of caring for the same people. Memories integrated and entwined in her dreams as her mind replayed events from long ago. As visions of the past clouded her mind, she felt a presence. At first, she did not notice it, subtle as it was. Her mind slowly realised the presence as she replayed the scene, her wedding day. Getting married to Eichenbrook had been one of her happiest, happiest moments in her life. Anja frowned as she felt the presence next to her. Who are you? she demanded. You have forgotten me already, Anja, the voice breathed. Do not be afraid. Eichenbrook had turned from where he was waiting for her and was now standing in front of her. Listen to your old master, Anja. Yours and many other lives depend upon it. Anja suddenly realised who Eichenbrook was referring to. 
It was the ancient seer. Although she could not see him, she felt comforted that he was by her side. I've never really left you, Anja. You are almost the end of your time with the Asaur. You must save the forest and all her creatures, including the humankind. The Queen has led you into a trap. Do not trust her. In two days' time, you must seek the guidance of the other to help Ada uncover the key. It will take great skill, and you must tread with caution. The gods will show you the way. The dream dissolved, leaving only fragmented memories that would surface when she woke the following day. Serenity summoned Eleanor, Edith, Merrick, Sabin, and Ulrich into her private room. She had concerns about how she would warn Axel and his group of the imminent danger they were heading towards. I have never mind travelled into someone else's dreams. The closest that I've done to that was with the help of Enja. And that was where I blinded and sent the Asaur's generals' minds into chaos, hence sending them onto a path of madness. And that, as you all know, was the last battle. Serenity folded her arms and bit her lip. Time was lapping at them, threatening to take them to a place where there was only one ending. The healer had not slept since she had seen the burning forest and her friends racing home. How long do you think they have until they reach it? Merrick held Serenity's gaze. Serenity blew out a breath and closed her eyes for a moment. Worst case scenario, within the next 24 hours. Emsie's horses are fast. Give it a go, Ren like you did with those generals and my boy Huxley when you hypnotised him. Edith went up to the healer and grabbed her shoulders. Serenity could not help but smile. Edith would not give up. She would die fighting for those she loved. Serenity knew she had a point. She could ask Ludwig to make the brew Andrew and Ada used for travelling into people's minds. She would have to try it was a risk, but it would be worth it if it worked out in the end. The healer nodded. Okay, Edith, I'll give it a go. I must see Ludwig and get the special blend of herbs I need. Edith embraced the woman in front of her. I knew you would come round. We have to give those evil buggers a surprise of our own. She chuckled as she stepped away. Eleanor could not help but smile. Sabin's charm was rubbing off on the small feisty woman. However, she knew Edith did not want to lose Axel again. Her love for him would last for an eternity. When the healer had left, Ulrich cleared his throat. We've forgotten one thing. Ren can warm them as much as she wants. But how are they going to get around the fire? The group in front of him groaned. Aye, what about them birds, Ulrich? Sainbert asked. Ulrich nodded. I will talk to the tree. It may have an answer for us. Go now, son. Wren will need to tell Axel where to go. Gurged. Ulrich did not need any further encouragement as he left the room, racing towards the big oak tree. 
Ulrich held his ear against the trunk of the tree. He waited patiently for the response to the question he had asked. How will Axel and his men get around the fire they were racing towards? His ear throbbed as the tree stayed silent, refusing to give an answer. Ulrich pulled away and rubbed the side of his head. He looked up at the giant tree, frowning. A breeze blew, cooling the perspiration that had formed on his forehead. He sighed and once again placed his ear against the rough bark. Go to the tunnels and follow the flock of birds with the red breasts. The oak chanted over and over again. Ulrich once again looked up at the tree before encircling his arms around the trunk. His arms were not quite long enough to go around the entire girth of the tree, but he silently thanked the gods for providing such a powerful ally. As he pushed his forehead against the coarse wood, felt a pulsing. Curiously, Ulrich placed his ear yet again to the trunk. They say the king comes with another who has betrayed you. Ulrich took a step back and threw his gaze up at the towering branches. When? He leant against the tree, waiting for a reply. The oak swayed, its leaves rustling as if Ulrich had upset it. Soon, 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 when your seer returns from the evil queen, help protect us from the fire the devil brings. Ulrich gasped and shook his head. He took a long, cleansing breath. The forest was afraid and knew more than Ulrich gave it credit for. We will save you, he called out, although he was not sure how they would do this. Leaves rustled as if responding to Ulrich's declaration. Ulrich turned and headed back to the village, praying could keep his promise to the old oak tree. Merrick paced the room of the healer's house when Ulrich had returned and delivered the news from the tree. We must wait until Ada and Mother have finished their mind journey to find Dardanos. We can't do anything until then. A quiet descended as each person reflected on all that Ulrich had said and what the last few days had revealed. First, we must get Ren to get our boys home safely, Edith announced, breaking the silence. A murmur of agreement went through them. Serenity swallowed the last of the brew and laid on the bed of furs in her own private room. She'd instructed the others to tend to other duties. Merrick was relieved when the healer had told them to leave. He had many responsibilities and he felt he was struggling to control their current situation. Fear lapped, threatened to, threatening to rise and sweep him with its powerful feeling and he struggled to keep it at bay. There was to be only one outcome and it was something he realised he had been preparing for a very long time. Merrick! Eleanor ran after her husband. Nori, stay with Edith and Sabin. I have things I have to do. Merrick turned to face his wife and his tone came out harsher than he had intended. Eleanor could see the worry etched on Merrick's face. She threw her arms around him, holding him close. I'm scared, Merrick. She breathed his, mes his smell of masculinity as she buried her head into his expansive chest. Merrick sighed. I know, Nori. We all are. 
but you must be strong. I need you to help take care of the people we lead. Must keep them calm. They look up to you. His tone softened. Eleanor closed her eyes. He was right. However, the nightmares had unsettled her, and she could not shake the memory of them. Terror now seemed a constant companion. Merrick carefully extracted himself from Eleanor's embrace. Go back to Wren's, Nori, and come and get me once she has finished mind-travelling. Tears welled in Eleanor's eyes, and she quickly brushed them away. I will, Merrick. He kissed the top of her forehead, or turning, and heading towards his home. Serenity probed the mind, the mind of the young man, searching for a connection. She did not know how to make someone dream, and had resorted to flooding his mind with memories and images he would recognise. It seemed Axel had an active mind as she sifted through all that dwelled in the deep recesses of his brain. As she released images of birds with red breasts, she felt him pull away, confused. Axel, trust me, I'm trying to help you. She spoke to him in soothing tones, hoping he would realise she was trying to help him. Again she released the image of the birds before showing him an image of a raging fire. Confused, Axel tried to make sense of what the healer was trying to show him. He did not connect with her, and Serenity doubted if she was being of any help at all. Exasperated, she made a last-ditch attempt to bring, a, to bring in a memory from long ago Yasor had first taken his sons. She hoped it would trigger a warning that the Yasor was close. Unfortunately, once again, it did not have the effect she was hoping for. Axel squashed the memory, growing angry with himself. Serenity withdrew her own mind. She only hoped, maybe, when he saw the fires, he would remember the images she had shown him. When Serenity had come from her room, she found Eleanor waiting for her in her small kitchen. She was feeding one twin and seemed to be lost in thought. Nori, I didn't expect you to wait for me. The healer offered her a warm smile. Eleanor returned it. Were you ex successful, Wren? The healer sighed and cast her gaze out of the small kitchen window. She did not want to alarm the woman sitting before her. However, she could not lie either. I guess time will tell, Nori. Eleanor sighed. She did not want to push the healer further, and she felt she was not telling her everything. Eleanor could not blame her. She changed the subject. There are still many people camped out the front of your home, Wren. Although some have returned to their homes, they're trying to go back to live life as normal as possible. I have spoken to them. They're trying to stay strong. Teen gives them that. Eleanor bit her lip as she reflected on her own words. Although the village people were close to panic, many had gone back to their previous life to quell their growing fear. She could not blame them. Eleanor lifted Annie onto her shoulder and patted her on the back. I'll discuss my mind travel with Merrick, Nori. You stay here. 
I'll make us some refreshments when I get back. Eleanor nodded in agreement. She felt tired. She'd not been sleeping well. She just wanted a normal life that did not have the Asaur in it. That sounds wonderful, Wren. Thank you. Enja woke and felt surprised at how long she had slept. The sun hovered midway in the sky, filling her room with light. She sighed and let herself rest on the stack of pillows. Remnants of the dream came to her and she closed her eyes and willed herself to relax. She hoped this would seek clarity and unlock the elusive memories of the dream that she had had previous night. Angie remembered going to bed late, although it was earlier than other nights when she had returned from mind travelling. The image of Eigenbrook surfaced, bringing a smile, and then she remembered the voice of the ancient seer. Angie sat up. He had told her to go to Dardanos in two days' time. Dardanos had intended to trap them if they had followed her instructions that she had given them when they had encountered her. Ada was to find her memory and she was to ask for the help of another. Frowned and then instantly guessed who he had been referring to. Serenity. She smiled. She would be an immense help. Enja would need help in distracting the evil queen while she infiltrated her mind. She's going to have to be quick, she thought. The ancient seer had advised that the gods would help, and she wondered how they would do so. She also mused about the new powers Ada would use. Maybe that was the way the gods would be helping. Angie was so caught up in her thoughts, she did not hear her bedroom door open. Ada stood dishevelled with a concerned look on her face. Anja glanced up as she heard the young woman make her way to her bed. I'm sorry, Grandmother, but I feel we need to speak with my father and the townspeople. It seems they have set the forest alight. Anja frowned. Her face paled. Oh, for the love of the gods, I should have known. She covered her face with her hands and glanced out the bedroom window. The forest lay beyond full of greenery and life. The thought of it being reduced to black ashes and soot was disturbing. Ada sighed and Anja returned her gaze back to her granddaughter. Ada offered a tight smile. Ludwig has made us some tea. I suggest we have it before we head off. Yes, good idea. The tea will help me collect my thoughts. Let me get ready, dear Ada, and I will meet you in the kitchen. We have a lot to get done. Axel woke the following day, as grey streaks of early morning raked across the sky. He could smell the faint whiff of smoke and rolled over towards the fire they had built the evening before. It sat cold and grey. He wrinkled his nose, making sure he had not imagined it. The smell still lingered, and he came to a sitting position, taking another breath. The arid smell of smoke seemed heavier, Axel frowned as he remembered the dream, or what he felt was a dream, the night before come back to him. He thought he had heard serenity in his mind, warning him of the assault. Axel looked around 
half expecting to see them. Only the still sleeping bodies of his companions graced the area where they had set up camp. He felt the urge to urinate and reluctantly got up from his furs. Axel sought sought the privacy of some thick shrubs close to the makeshift camp. After After he finished, he made his way back and paused as his wandering thoughts, once again, picked up on a memory or a dream. He was unsure which, which that involved a fire, trees and the assault. Axel concentrated on the thoughts that played out in his mind. He suddenly remembered losing his temper. When the thoughts had originally surfaced, they made little sense and he had put it down to the evil seer trying to infiltrate on what he was doing. The smell of smoke grew stronger. Axel coughed and once again his mind retrieved the memory. Slowly it dawned on him that serenity had been trying to warn him. Axel forced his mind to remember everything that she had tried to tell him. The Asaur and fire. They had set fire to the forest again. Another thought transpired. He was to follow birds with red breasts. He shook his head, not sure if his imagination was making up for what he was remembering. The birds were to lead him to the tunnels made by the trees and to safety. He looked up at the sky as if seeking confirmation from the gods themselves. Axel sighed. He had no choice but to follow Serenity's instructions. It was not worth the risk of doing anything else. Merrick waited until his mother and daughter had settled on the chairs in the large kitchen. Anja relayed the dream she had had the previous night. Merrick rubbed his chin. He had told both Anja and Ada about Serenity trying to connect with Axel. He hoped it would work. Time will let us know, Papa. Ada was watching him. Concentration covered her face. Merrick grunted. His daughter constantly surprised him with her intuitiveness. I guess we wait until we have reached the Queen. It was a statement rather than a question, and Anja nodded. Although I have a feeling that... She paused as if trying to collect her words. Merrick waited, his massive forearms crossed against his chest. Merrick, if the King and the Seer come, you are to hide. Clenched his jaw. He did not know if that would work anymore. The feeling that they would set the forest on fire was almost certain. It would leave them with no place to hide. It is hope, son. It may be all that we can offer. Merrick heard his mother's words inside his head. She had not spoken them out loud, in fear that it would create a sense of hopelessness for all the others that were in the room. He understood fully and sighed. The sickening feeling of dread that had settled upon him a few days previously had not left him. The feeling, he realised, would not leave him until he had wiped the assault from the face of the earth. We will see Serenity and prepare to meet with the Queen again. Enja held Merrick's gaze. Finale was almost upon them. The riders rode at a gallop 
rushing through the heavily wooded forest. The smell of smoke grew stronger, and Axel still had not seen the birds that Serenity had told him about. Terror brushed over him, and a sense of urgency nipped. He had told his companions about Serenity, feeling it was best to prepare them in case the things she had foretold came to fruition. They had not questioned his actions or his thoughts, only offering subdued support. The recon trip to find supplies had been a wasted effort, and Axel felt that the plans they had made had somehow become known to their enemy. Hence the reason they could not find any. As the forest thinned and made way to grassy plains, Axel slowed his horse. In the distance, he could see bright orange flames flickering. An enormous fire was hurtling towards them, engulfing everything that stood in its way. Emsie pulled alongside Axel and followed his gaze. What do we do now? We can't outrun a fire. And I've seen no birds that fit your description. Emsie tried to keep the panic, panic out of his voice, but it was difficult. Axel had no answer for him. He scanned the horizon, watching the black plume of smoke fill the sky, turned back to the forest they had just come from. It remained quiet, as if it had surrendered to the fate that was about to be bestowed upon it. Axel repressed a, sh a shudder. I have no answers for you, MZ. I, I was sure it was Ren who was trying to communicate with me. Although she was right about her warning of the fire, Axel rubbed his temple, unable to come up with a suitable solution. We can't stay here and wait for the fire. I suggest we head back to the forest and see if we can go around another way, he finally said. He knew he was only trying to buy time, and that would not last long. Fire was like a hungry demon, devouring all that stood in its path he grunted and followed his friend back to where they had just come from. The eerie gloom of the forest felt unwelcoming and not at all comforting. A sense of melancholy had rooted itself. The trees and all that called the forest home would be gone in a matter of hours. Axel took a breath as he waited for his eyes to come adjusted to the darkness of the woods. He searched for the birds with the red breasts, but only silence prevailed. He felt they were borrowing time and should have left long ago, saving themselves from the fire that was making its way towards them. The arid smell of smoke drifted through the leafy realms, making the men cough. Emsy once again pulled up alongside Axel. If we don't work out a way to get around this forest, we're all going to burn, hissed. Axel swallowed. I know, I'm trying to think of a way. His mind raced as he looked all around him, desperately trying to find a way out of the forest, around the orange ball careering towards them. They increased their pace, retracing the path they had just been on. What if it's a trap? The thought sent a shiver down Axel's spine, and he pushed it away, refusing to give it life. As they raced through the dense woods, the group could barely contain their panic. 
the thought resurfaced, and this time it would not leave. What if the Yasur were driving them to their deaths? They may have warriors waiting on the other side or somewhere in the thick forest. Axel felt his stomach clench and he swallowed the bile that rose in his throat. They continued their mad gallop, hoping to outrun the devastating fire or find a path around it. Suddenly, Axel heard the melodious tone, tune of a bird. He reined in his horse and frowned listening for the sound, hoping it was not his imagination, playing tricks. This time the bird was louder and closer. Silk frantically searched the trees. The other men had also heard the bird and joined in the search for the elusive creature. There, one warrior called out. He pointed to a tree that stood a short distance away. Axel squinted and soon caught sight of the little bird. Follow that bird! could not mask the excitement he felt as he kicked his horse forward. The bird flitted from tree to tree, and soon it was obvious it wanted them to follow it. More birds soon joined. More birds soon joined it as they made their way through the treetops. Axel was not sure how long they followed the flock of birds for. But soon they came to a giant river. He had paid little attention to the direction they were headed in, following the birds blindly. The birds dipped in the water, skimming the surface as they took a drink from the rushing stream. The men let the horses drink as they watched the birds in fascination. Axel noticed a cave that stood some distance downstream. I have a feeling they may lead us to that cave, Emsy he had not taken his eyes off the birds as they continued their dance over the river. Both men continued to watch the dis display before the entire flock flew towards the cave, making their way inside and disappearing. Follow the birds to the cave, Axel shouted, kicking his mount. The men did not need any further encouragement as they made their way to the cave. The cave was enormous and dark. The floor was sandy at first, but it gave way to a rocky surface. Axel suggested they dismount and lead the horses the rest of the way. Occasionally a bird would tweet as if calling them forward. Imsi lit a torch, handing it to Axel as they followed him deeper into the cavern's realm. It was cold and unwelcoming, and Axel half expected to see Dardanos herself as he felt the icy fingers of the cave's interior. Soon the cold transpired to a feeling of dampness and humidity as the roof descended, forcing them to hunch over. The horses stamped their feet and blew from their nostrils, nervous about where their masters were taking them. They walked, stooped over, and still the birds called. Axel felt his heart in his throat. His stomach churned, and he sent a prayer to the gods. On and on, they followed the passageway as it narrowed and squeezed, forcing them to duck their heads, walk in single file. The air was heavy, and soon the group struggled to breathe. The cave was claustrophobic, and the desire to turn and flee back the way they had come 
the way, the way they had come from gripped them and it took all their strength, strength to stop it from smothering them. No one spoke or questioned the reason they should trust the birds and continue the mad journey into the depths of the cave. Soon the ground descended, dropping to a steep decline, making it difficult for them not to slip. Many a time a horse would slip and plunge into its rider. The men spoke in soothing tones. The last thing they needed was a panicked horse. Birds flew above their heads, whistling and encouraging them. As Axel felt the pull of terror and the tug of the feeling that they would never get through the cave's passageway, he noticed a dim light dance in front of him. Emsy, he murmured, pointing to the light. A smile lit Emsy's face, and soon the men that followed gave a quiet cheer. A light at the end of a dark tunnel was always a good sign. It surprised Axel that the tunnel through the cave came out close to Merrick's village. In fact, he guessed it was a day's ride away. The thick forest stood on one side as they made their way out. He knew Merrick's village stood at the edge and on the other side of the forest, along the ridge that overlooked the barren wasteland. Axel had come this way when looking for survivors and he instantly understood why Merrick and the healer knew he would find his way back. He had traversed the land for years, combing for survivors and looking for his lost sons. As Axel ran his eyes over the rest of the group, he noticed they seemed disorientated and confused. They had not had the same opportunity, not only hunting the Asaur, but hiding from them as well. Their experience was still raw, whereas Axel felt it had played an enormous part of his adult life. Flamer did not bother to knock. Instead, he burst into the kitchen of his brother's home. Merrick paused in his discussion with the group of warriors, seated at the table. Flamer? He frowned as he turned to look at his younger brother. Axel and Emsi are back, Flamer said in a rush of words. Relief swept over Merrick as he had been waiting for their arrival. How far? They are nearly here, Flamer grinned. Send them here, Flamer. We have a lot to catch up on. The young man nodded before racing out the front door. So thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and truly am grateful. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe where you listen to all your favourite podcasts. Take care everyone and see you next week on The Story, the podcast where great stories are told. Bye for now.